going to jump right in this morning. We are concluding our series uh, on blueprints that we've been in through the summer. Uh, this will be message 15 now, if I, if I counted it correctly. So um, 15 messages on uh, different questions that we're asking that maybe uh, we've asked in our life or that we're kind of continuing to wrestle with. We, we've looked at things like, who is God? And then we broke that apart over the couple weeks, and we looked at each of the people uh, in the Godhead, the, the Father. We looked at the Son, the Holy Spirit. We, we asked, uh, what is, what is a, a Christian? You know, what is sin? Who am I? How did God create me? I mean, we've, we've hit on questions that most of us wrestle with, ask. Maybe we have found an answer to that we're satisfied with. Maybe we haven't. And so what our goal has been in this series is to, to not maybe necessarily answer the question satisfactorily, completely for you here, but to put you on a path to where you know what path you need to be looking on to further answer that question or to at least go and look at it. And we looked at what is the church, you know? And we saw that the church is a group of people. It's not a building. It's not an event with them, but a group of people who belong to Jesus, who are being built by Jesus, and who bring the message of Jesus. And we looked at what is baptism. We're going to do some baptisms next week. You know, and today we're going to wrap it up with how do I share the gospel? Not what is the gospel, but how do I share The reason I'm doing it, we're going to talk about what the gospel is, but if we were to just ask the question, what is the gospel, there's no action behind that. I can, I can be up here today and I can tell you what the gospel is and we can all leave here and be satisfied that we know what the gospel is but never do a thing about it. And that's not my, my goal here. That's not what we should be doing. And so my goal here is how do I share? Because let's be honest, uh, most of us, um, we, we know as followers of Christ that we are commissioned to go and share the gospel. If you've been around the church uh, a few times, you've probably heard at some point that Christians are supposed to go and evangelize. They're supposed to go and share the gospel. But most of us don't. That's just the reality is most of us don't. And, and the reasons are varied, right? And if we're being honest with ourselves, part of that could be, I just don't know what the gospel is. How can I go share what I don't know what it is? And, and other parts could be fear. I just, I don't, I don't want to be rejected or I don't want to put that in the conversation. I want to force that upon someone. And what I hope to show you this morning is we force other things upon people all the time, right? Or I, I, I don't know how to share it. So that's what we're going to do. Um, disclaimer, though, I'm not giving you a formula. There's no two questions that you ask here this morning and boom, the gospel share. That's not what my goal is. I'll give you some tools. I'll give you a framework that might help you think, but you're going to have to leave here and, and work this kind of into what fits for you. And that's really the best way to do this. So how do I share the gospel? And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you want to go ahead and find your spot there in your Bible or your, your app there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you're using a, a Bible from the chair, Go to page 1303. So if you need a Bible, grab one. They should be on the chairs. And you're going to page 1303, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 there. And we're going to be in verse 20. That's where we're going to start. Just two verses this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Let's take a look at that here. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to a church that he spent uh, a lot of time with. But in his absence, there's been other people that came along and are, are starting to start rumors about Paul and calling his authority into question and how he did things. And so 2 Corinthians is written by Paul in order to defend the authority by which he came and ministered. So he says this in verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness. God. 
How do I share the gospel? It starts with you've got to know where your authority comes from. You've got to know your authority. And so looking at, at chapter uh, 5, verse 20 there, therefore, he says, we are ambassadors of Christ. He's talking about him, the people who travel with him, and then we apply that to us today as followers of Christ, as people who have placed our trust in Christ, as people who call ourselves Christians. And you may remember, we defined Christian as someone who's been given new spiritual life by believing, or by God, through believing in Jesus. Someone who's been given new spiritual life by God through believing in Jesus. As people who call themselves Christians, as people who are followers of Christ, we are now ambassadors for Christ. And if you know anything about an ambassador, you know at least there's three things that, that we can pull from it. One, when an ambassador is sent out to another country or to another group of people, they are sent out by an, an agency or a government or someone in authority. And so therefore they are sent out with the authority of that agency or that organization that backs them. Paul's Christ's ambassador, he says. Therefore, he is being sent out by Jesus, and he's carrying the very authority of Jesus himself. Just like an ambassador uh, to a nation today, they carry the very authority of the government they represent. Now, uh, you may be familiar with the uh, Great Commission. We've looked at that a few times through the series, Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Where, where he says, uh, therefore, Jesus says, therefore, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? So all authority has been given to Jesus. And then Jesus says, now go. He sends out. We become ambassadors. We become people who are sent out by Jesus to remember the, the definition of the church. We are a group of people who belong to Jesus. who are being built by Jesus who bring the message of Jesus. We are being sent out. Paul says we are the ambassadors. We carry the very authority of Christ himself. And what kind of authority is that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Paul says we are ambassadors. So an ambassador carries the authority, but it's not just that they, they carry the authority. An ambassador carries the message of the one they're representing. You don't speak for yourself when you're an ambassador. You don't carry your own message as an ambassador. Instead, you bring the message that you've been sent with. Which in some ways really kind of takes the pressure off, right? Because I don't have to come up with something. I don't have to make something up that will inspire you. I don't have to, to, to create some message that, you know, hopefully will convince you to, to trust in Jesus or to convert to Christianity. That's not on me. I'm carrying the message of Christ. I'm representing the one who has sent me, and I do so with the authority that he has sent me. So it comes with the authority. We bring uh, the message, and then uh, we represent them, that person. Our actions, our words, they represent, they reflect back on the one, the agency who sent us. Christ, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul says we are Jesus' ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Christ. We need to know the authority that we have. As people who are called and commissioned to share the gospel, we need to start and remember that we're not going out there on our own. We're not going and sharing the gospel with people on our own authority. We're not doing this because it's something we, uh, you know, think needs to be done. It's something we've been sent and commissioned to do. Now, think about if you are in a, a workplace, you have a boss or a supervisor, and they give you some instructions. Maybe you've got to go deliver a message to another group of employees. Maybe it's a hard message. 
Maybe, maybe that particular day you're the one carrying the message that's going to impact their lives. And that's a scary situation to be in. You don't, you don't want to bring a message that's going to impact someone's lives, especially if it's not in a good way. You know, but, but you're being sent with the authority of your boss, your supervisor, to go and share that message. You've got to go and represent him. You've been sent by him. You carry his or her authority. And you're bringing his or her message. So when you then deliver the message, that's not on you. That's on the boss, the supervisor, right? It's not you if they, if they get mad, right? What do we say in that situation? Don't shoot the messenger, right? It's because we're saying... I'm not the one with the authority, but I'm representing the one with the authority, right? There's, there's kind of this, this middleman position that we're in. But when we go, we go with confidence to deliver the boss's message because the boss sent me, right? The boss gave me their authority. Now, every illustration and analogy will break down at some point, right? You, you push it, and it's not going to reflect God accurately. But the point is the authority you're sent with gives you confidence that you can deliver the message. The authority that you're sent with gives you confidence that you can bring what may be hard to bring. And even if you're rejected, they're not ultimately rejecting you, but who are they rejecting in that analogy? They're rejecting the boss. When we bring the gospel, when we share the gospel, if people say, I don't want to hear about your Jesus, that's not a rejection on you or me, which sometimes that's the obstacle for us. Sometimes that's the obstacle. In fact, that's one of the top three reasons why we don't share the gospel. I'm fearful that they're going to say no. And people will say no because not everybody's going to believe in the gospel. It's just not going to happen. So there's going to be times where we're going to bring the gospel message, we're going to share it, and people are going to say, I don't want to hear that. Or, you know, that's not for me. Or I've already kind of made my decision about what I believe spiritual. Or I'm a spiritual person, but I'm... I'm not going to really, you know, buy into that Jesus is the only way thing. I, I think that's, you know, that, that, that's too narrow-minded. They're going to say that. You're going to hear that. But if you know, and I know, I'm being sent out as an ambassador. I'm representing Jesus. I'm not bringing my own message. I'm bringing His message. And that should then give us that undergirding, that foundation of confidence that we need sometimes, that we lack sometimes. He sent us. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And then he says, go. So we are ambassadors. How do I show the gospel? You've got to start with knowing the authority. Knowing your authority. And it rests in Christ. But the second thing is this. You've got to know whose message it is. You've got to know whose message you bring. So back in verse 20 again. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. What does an ambassador do? They speak on behalf of the one who sent them. They speak the very message that the one who sent them gave them. We've got to know whose message we bring. And so Paul here, he says, oh, we're, we're Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. We speak for him. And it's just as though God were making his plea through us because that's what an ambassador does. They speak on behalf of someone greater than authority than them. And when they speak the message that they've been sent with, it's as if that person who sent them is pleading with them. An ambassador for a nation who represents the United States, the president gives them a message, they carry that message. It's as if the president is speaking through them. That's the authority they carry because that's the message we carry. But here's the problem. So often we, we bring our own message. So often we bring our own message. Well, let me tell you about my church. My church is great. That's good. That's not the gospel. 
Let, let, me, let me tell you about how, how much fun this camp that I went to was, or this event that I went to was. And, and so we, we talked that event about, that's great. It's not the gospel. That's not the message we've been sent with. That's not the message that carries the authority that we've been given. We, we sometimes maybe change the message. Um, you know, someone might say to you, do you really think that Jesus is the only way? Well, I know that sounds harsh. Um, no, I'd be willing to say that he might not be the only way. Oh, no, now you're not speaking the message that Jesus sent you with. Right? We, we can't bring our own message. We've got to remember whose message we bring. It's as if God is pleading through us. And then here's what he would plead. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. And, and that's worded exactly like it needs to be because it's not God who needs to be reconciled. If you remember when we looked at the week, uh, the weeks we looked at sin, it's not God who has wronged. It's not God who has walked away. It's us who have strayed. And so therefore, we, people, are the ones who need to be reconciled to God, which is why the message might be phrased, be reconciled to God, as opposed to let God reconcile to you. It's not the message. We've got to remember whose message it is. And when we do, when we remember whose message it is, we then remember who's responsible for the results. And it's not me. And it's not you. We're not responsible. When we bring the message of Jesus, we are not responsible for the results. I'm responsible to bring the message. I'm responsible to be faithful with what Jesus has entrusted to me, and I'm responsible to put that before others. But I am not responsible with what you do with that message. I can't make you, manipulate you, persuade you, or even convince you to believe in it. I can lay it before you, but anything that happens after that is the work of God in that person. Conviction, you remember, is a work of God. I cannot bring the conviction that must take place by the Spirit on a person who's not believed the gospel. I can't do that. But so often we try. How do we do that? Well, I might try to manipulate the atmosphere, the environment that you're in in which I give the message so that you feel broken down. I might keep you sleep-deprived throughout a week of camp so that by the end of the week when I give you the gospel, of course you're going to believe. Of course you're going to respond. Why? Because you're tired. You're going to do anything I ask. Right? I can't do that. That's not necessarily going to produce genuineness. Now, God can work through anything because, after all, you know your Bible. In the Old Testament, you remember there's a story where God talked through a donkey. And King James Version says it's a lot more fun. Okay? If God can speak to a donkey to get his work done, I'm not needed. You're not needed. If even the rocks can cry out, if you and I don't praise God, we're not needed by God. He will get done what he wants to get done. God alone is the one who brings the conviction and then converts a person, changes their hearts, gives them new spiritual life. I don't do that. But they can't have that. They can't believe unless they hear the gospel, the message. They can't believe and then God convert them unless they believe the very message of Jesus, which God, in His wisdom, has entrusted to people. That's why He says, therefore go and make disciples. We are ambassadors of Christ. God chooses to use us to bring His message. And when people hear His message, God in His sovereignty will work in their hearts, in His timing. But that's all on Him. I'm not responsible for the results. I'm not responsible to win people to Christ. God wins people to Christ. I bring the message. And I'm just simply a tool, an instrument that God works through. I get no, no fame, no glory, no, no, no room for me to boast and, and that I... I got 15 people who believe in Jesus when I preach the gospel. 
That's not on me. And, and you hear that so often. And it becomes all about the numbers and all about the results. And so what happens is we create a culture where, man, if you shared the gospel but no one believed or responded, you failed. You haven't because that's God's work to do. And who are you and I to presume upon God as to what he's doing? It takes an average of, the last time I heard this number, it takes an average of seven times for a person to hear the gospel and believe. And that's a human number and God is not bound by that. But you and I and, and culture, what we do is we so put emphasis on the results. Well, was that trip a success because how many people believe? That's not the measure. That's not the measure. So you listen to a report from, from Mexico, and, you know, maybe they had people who heard the gospel. Maybe they had people who believed. Maybe they know about some of them. Maybe they don't. That does not determine whether or not that particular trip was a success or not. Because what you heard in them saying instead was things about partnering up with people. You know, how arrogant of us to think that we go into another country and we bring the gospel and people believe when we're trying to partner up with people who are in it every single day. Every single day they're in it, they've got relationships. And then here we come and we're going to say, well, I want to do something that's going to, you know, make a good report when I come back. Of course, we've never seen it like that. But we've been wired that way to, to hone in on the results. But that trip was a great success. Well, from what I heard just in that video, because I heard them partnering up with people who are on the ground every day in the relationship and extending their reach. They were reaching out in the community, helping connect people with the people that are already there. So they don't get to come back and boast and say, hey, we had 14 people place their trust in Christ. If they did, fantastic. If they didn't, fantastic that they made connections with that church. The results are not on us. We need to remember whose message it is. It's not ours. It's Christ's. And so when we remember whose message it is, it relieves the pressure that we so often put on ourselves that we've got to see people believe. That's God's work. We've got to put the message before them. And so that they can hear and then respond. The other thing we need to remember when we talk about it's uh, remembering knowing whose message it is, is we've got to bring the message, the gospel, with urgency. We, we've got to bring with urgency, but not because, and not driven by a fear that if I don't share it today, they may not hear it again. That's not on us. God's bigger than that, right? Or if, if I don't get this message in right now, then that might be their only chance. You and I don't know that. God's much bigger than that. That's not what should drive us. Is that a possibility? Absolutely, it's always a possibility, but that's not what should drive us. Because then, that's not, that's not the authority that God has given us. Instead, what should drive us, the reason that we should present it with urgency and share the gospel with urgency is because it is the most important message the person will ever hear. That's why we've got to be urgent about it. Now, urgent doesn't necessarily mean every conversation I have in the gospel gets slipped in. Okay? Urgency means, am I looking for those opportunities? Am I taking the ones that are in front of me? Am I, am I asking God to open those doors? And when they're open, am I walking through them? And am I, am I being intentional about when I have relationships with people that maybe don't know Christ? Am I being intentional, one, to model it to them and to, to, to live out what I believe? And yes, a lot of times it's going to be through the, the, uh, the context of the relationship. Share the message. But you know what? There's a lot of times where one-on-one -on -one encounters, you're not going to get the opportunity to share the message. And it would be completely unnatural for you to do that. And sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't. So you're sitting in a sports bar and you're, you're drinking iced tea 
and, uh, you, you know, you're watching the game, and, you know, it's a real celebratory moment, and you guys are just going, man, did you see that play? Yes, I saw that play. Did you know about how God made a great play? Don't do it, right? I mean, it's just not natural, right? And so that, that's not what I mean when I say we've got to present the gospel with urgency, but we've got to share the message with urgency because we've got to know that it is the most important message that a person will ever hear. And unless they hear it, they don't have an opportunity to respond to it. And we have been entrusted by God to bring that message. Now, there is a time limit. There is a time frame. Absolutely. We don't know what that is. But there is a time where God has decided it's already been set where Christ will come back. And the, the book of Romans chapter 9, 10, or 11, somewhere in there, calls it the, the fullness of the time of the Gentiles. There's just this period of time where God is, is waiting. There's a set number of people that are going to believe. And when that time is up, the fullness of the time of the Gentiles is up. Christ comes back. But we don't know what that number is. We don't know when it is. And so we can't deal with that. Because if a person hasn't believed by that point, they are not going to be in a good spot. We've got to bring the message with urgency. And so we've got to remember whose message that is. There are times we don't bring the message with urgency. And I'd say probably most of the time, most of us don't bring the message with urgency. And I think that's probably because we don't believe the message ourselves. Sure, we've at some point genuinely believed in Christ. Yes, we've got new spiritual life. But if you've ever listened to one of us, and by that I mean Christians, share the gospel, well, most of the time, a lot of the time, it's dry, it's boring, it's, un- it's not passionate, right? And so you listen to someone and you're going, do you even believe what you're saying? And it's just kind of like reciting a message. How many times have I heard that? I just want to scream at someone. Do you even believe what you're saying? Why would you expect that person to get excited about what what you're saying when you're not even excited about it? And I think the reason we don't often share with urgency is because we've lost our first love. How am I going to share something with urgency if I no longer believe it or it no longer stirs me up? If I've not thought about it, if I've relegated it to just a decision I made 20 years ago, and oh, by the way, here's a set of facts that you need to hear. The gospel certainly includes facts, but it's not just a set of facts. It is the entire story of what God has done. It's more than just boom, 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 and if you boom, 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 A, B, C, and it's more than that. And so often we just realize, memorize this script right here. Knock, 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 okay. Hey, can I ask you a few questions? God can use that. God does use that. But you know what? The best way for us to show people and to, to, to model for people that this is urgent, this is important, is they've got to see that in you. Hey, look, can we find a time where I can visit with you about something? I'd love to share something with you. Make, make, make time for it. If you've got a relationship, right, you, you share it in the context of relationship. But you've got to remember whose message it is. All right. And then you've got to know the message you bring, right? You can't, you can't share a message that you don't know. And so that's where Paul says, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him he would become the righteousness of God. And so what Paul is talking about here is Jesus came, right? He, he was sinless. He was perfect. He was innocent. But God put sin on him. He made him to be sin for us. Jesus took our place, right? So that in Jesus taking our place, dying on our behalf, uh, taking the penalty that you and I deserve, when he did that, then now that punishment of God is no longer on us, but it was put on Jesus. And when he raised from the dead, he accomplished what he set out to do. And so now 
I respond by believing in Him, and then I become the very righteousness of God. That is, what Christ earned becomes mine. You've got to know the message. And so, when it comes to knowing the message, again, I'm not a big fan of memorize a script and recite it by rote. Those are helpful. What I'm going to give you is, I think it's helpful to at least have a framework. But again, keep in mind, the majority of the time you and I are going to share the gospel is going to be with people we know and are in relationship with. And that's how it should be. See, a lot of times what we do is we try to escape our work, our home, and we go to other countries, other cities, and we share the gospel boldly with people that we don't even know because guess what? That's pretty easy. Because I can walk away and I don't, I don't experience any of your rejection. Very hard to share it with people you're in a relationship with. But if you, if you think about, one, where's my thing? Two, who's the message belong to? And then now, what is the message? You see, it can be a natural way of sharing. So again, go back to that sports bar where you're drinking now just ice cold cola, right? And, and, and you say, you know, that game, did you see that great play? It's not, hey, can I tell you about God? You know, no, not in that context. But maybe, maybe the game's over and you guys are talking and someone says, nah, you know, they're sharing something going on in their life and, and, and they hit on something that you've experienced. Guess what? Now you have an opportunity to share your story. Man, I've been there. And I, I, I know what it's like to feel no hope. Really? Yeah, now, see what's happening now? You're just dialoguing. That's a whole lot different than, hey, let me tell you something. That's just not, well, how did you get through that? Well, let me tell you where I found hope. Boom. Okay, conversation open. It's going to happen more like that a lot of times. You're going to be in the context of relationships. So now, let's say you get to that point. Well, how do I get the, the, the message? What is the message? I'm going to give you at least just two frameworks that, that are helpful to think about. Right? Don't memorize stuff necessarily. But you're saying, you've got to know it. It's got to be you. Right? It's got to be in you. And you've got to start with where people are. Okay? So you, you, you can't just, you know, enter someone's life and, okay, so this is, this is a pet peeve of mine. I mean, okay, someone's just tragically lost someone. And in the midst of their grieving, hey, let me show the gospel with you. Okay? No one's going to say it like that. Here's how it would be said. You know, they're in a better place and, and God got that message of hope. Through, maybe not the best time. Instead, love them through it, relationship, support them, be present, and guess what? Through that, hey, you might have an opportunity to share something in that. But what happens so often is Christians are accused of taking very vulnerable situations and throwing this message on you. You want to see your loved one again? If you don't place your trust in Christ, you'll never see them. Okay, we can't do stuff like that. That doesn't represent the one who sent us. But we get to a point, let's say you're in a conversation, how do I think about it? I've got two different frameworks I'm going to give you. God, man, Jesus, response. Good way to think about telling the story of what God has done. God, man, Jesus, response. And so let's say you get to, well, how did you, how did you get through that? Or tell me, tell me why you go to church every Sunday. Well, let me tell you about, about God. And maybe you, you might think about a few verses, right? You know, I believe God is the one who created everything. I believe there's one God. I, I believe it's the God of the Bible. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I believe there's one God. And that God is in control of all things. He is over all things. There's no one that's greater than Him. And I believe He's the one who created all things, including us. And guess where I'm at now? Man. Okay? So, and I believe when He created us, He created us in His image to know Him to represent Him, to be known by Him. He wanted us to be in a relationship with Him. 
But what happened along the way, and now I'm going to Adam and Eve, that there were these two people that, that didn't obey God in the garden because of that sin entered into the world. Sin, sin is something that infects us and impacts every part of us. And because we are infected by sin, it keeps us from being able to be in that relationship with God that we were designed to be because God is holy. God is just, and, and we are not. We can't be in that relationship with Him. And so we, 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 we have this gap, this, this chasm, if you will, that's separating us from God. That's bad news because it, it means that we're then under God's wrath and we're condemned to hell. That's what not now. But the good news is this God who created us, He's, he's personal. He wants to know us. And so He wants us to be in that relationship with us. So He didn't leave us in that spot. Instead, He sent Jesus, his son, I might throw in John 3.16. That's why John 3.16 is always quoted by people at the football games. Because it says, for God so loved the world. That's why our God sent Christ for us. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's what's behind that verse. Is that God was motivated by his love when he sent Christ for us. And Jesus did what we couldn't do. He obeyed God perfectly. And so therefore he earned the righteousness that you and I were supposed to have. And then this amazing thing happened. See, God, God did something that you would never expect God to do. He took Jesus, and He put Jesus in our place, and put all the punishment, all the wrath of sin on Jesus, so that you and I would not have to bear it. And so when Jesus died, He died as our sacrifice. He rose from the dead, accomplishing what He set out to do. Now in that response, and this is just a shortened version of it, but it could be looking different. But then I'd say, and so now God, all He requires of us is not that we have to be righteous. Jesus already earned that. We don't have to perform for God because we can't bring anything to God that would earn His favor His grace. Instead, all He requires of us is that we believe in what He did. Believe in Jesus. Respond by faith. And, and you might at that point explain what that would look like. It's, it's whatever it is you're trusting. And see, most of us, we trust in success or we trust in money to get us through. And, or maybe we, we think that there's this, this cosmic scale and that if we can do enough good that it'll tip one way in our favor. But God doesn't work that way. Instead, what he did was he said, I did all the work for you. All you've got to do is stop trusting in that and instead trust in what I did. God, man, Jesus' response. If you think of a framework, it'll kind of help you tell the story. Here's another one. Right, this one's kind of more geared towards kids, but I like it too. Similar, God rules. So you talk about God as the creator. He's the one who's in control of all things. We sin. We, we disobeyed the ruler. What's the punishment when you are under a king and you disobey the king? It's off with your head. It's death. It's punishment. Prison. Right? There's, there's consequences. If I'm sharing this with a kid, I'd say God rules. It's like your parents in the house, right? Your parents have authority, and when you disobey your parents, there's consequences. Well, God rules all the earth, all of heaven is His kingdom. He is an authority over all those things. And we, the people that He's created, we've sinned, we've disobeyed, we've broken those rules. And there's a consequence to that. Right? And so we talk about being uh, separated from God, not in a relationship with God. But here's the great news. Even though we should have been punished, even so we should have experienced those consequences, God provided a sacrifice, a savior. God provided, if you're talking to kids, use language like a rescuer. You know? And, and he provided that in Jesus. And so now Jesus gives us what he's earned. And when we believe in him, we respond. So we have to respond. We believe in him. We get what Jesus earned. We get life. We no longer are under the punishment. These frameworks, right? They, they help us to kind of think through and tell the story. But here's the thing about it. 
you've got to believe the story. Right? You've got to know the story. That story can't, can't be one that you just say, hey, can I, can I, I just need to go through this for a minute. Instead, it should flow out of you. And you might have a hard time thinking about doing that, but let me just throw this out and then wrap us up here. We evangelize all the time. All the time. How many of you have been to a restaurant, had a great meal, and then you went back and told someone about how great that meal was and that they should try it? You've evangelized. Okay? How many of you have, have seen a great movie and you said, man, that movie is so good, it's well worth your time to go see that movie, and you kind of unpack some of the details of that movie? You just evangelized for that movie. How, how many of you have a favorite uh, person you're going to vote for or think that should be voted for, and so you're going to tell people why they should vote for this person over that person and why not voting for this person is not a, you know, how many of you have that? You're evangelizing for that person. And we have no problem forcing that kind of stuff on someone else, and those things don't matter. Okay? Those things are not nearly as important as the message that you and I have been commissioned to bring. But the reason you share those things so naturally is, one, you're excited about them. You're passionate about that food, man. It hit the spot. It was the best steak you've ever had. You know, the best cup of coffee or, or the best dessert. And it just, it made an impact on your life. And so now you can't help but express that delight. Or that movie, man, it was just so exciting. It filled something up in you. And it was just such a good use of your time that you can't help but tell someone else, they need to do that too. Or that particular candidate that you're pushing, man, if you don't push that candidate and you don't vote for that candidate, the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket and it's just going to end. We're going to apocalypse now, right? You're excited. Favorite football team, baseball, I mean, we could go on, right? We don't have a problem evangelizing. We don't have a problem sharing things that we're excited about. The problem is most of the time we're not excited about it. We don't have a sense of urgency because we've not uh, continued to cultivate hearts that are affectionate for God. We've relegated the gospel down to something I believed years ago, and now I attend church. But if we are each day cultivating, God, I'm not deserving of what you've given me. If we're constantly reminding ourselves of where we were, and that it took God in His relentless love pursuing us, otherwise you and I would not be part of His kingdom, part of His family. If we think about who we are, if we just take like five minutes and take inventory of the sin in our heart, the thoughts that crossed our mind, and, and remind ourselves that were it not for Jesus, that thought right there would have been the one that disqualified me. And that's it. If we don't cultivate affections for God, we're not going to be excited about what's happened. So why would we then go share a message that we're not passionate about? But we're going to do that about things we're passionate about. This is the most important message that any person can ever feel. It changes lives. It changes the course of history. It has stood the test of time. And even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. What do we need to do to get our affections stirred up for God? Maybe it starts with a simple prayer. God, stir up my affection. Remind me from where I've fallen. Remind me of who I was before you got a hold of me. Remind me of what Christ did for me. And all day, every day, we've got to be constantly going back to the gospel. This is how it applies to my life now. This is what, what's true of me because God said it to me. We've got to do things that cultivate an affection for God. When we're passionate about it, we're going to bring it in advance. Know your authority. 
know whose message it is, and then knowing the message she brings, and then bring it. Father, we are so well. And we're so grateful to you for, for what you've done through Christ. None of us are deserving of it. None of us could meet the standard of a holy and just God. And yet, God, you have freely given. Because of love that motivates you to send your son. And so, God, remind us of that. God, there's some here this morning, maybe they need to hear that. Maybe they don't know that the whole uh, thing behind the gospel message is God is love. And God is just, and God is gracious, and God is compassionate, and God is mercy. And, and so the, all that comes together in Christ that the just God was satisfied with Christ's sacrifice. And he was freed up to love and extend grace and mercy. And he did that all on his own, without us prompting him. Because there's nothing in us that would provoke God to save us. And yet, because you are loving, you've done that. Others of us need to be stirred up in our affections. We've become lukewarm a long time ago. And our hearts are cold. And maybe we can say, I've shared the gospel, but it's not been in a way that is with passion and with urgency. It's been out of compliance, just to take off a box. God, let us not be people who are guilty of that. Instead, stir us up. Make us white hot with passion for you. And remind us, the sense of urgency we should carry when you share the gospel. And then, God, when we get in those moments, give us the words. Help us to tell the story of who you are, who we are, what you've done with Christ, and how we need to respond. And do it for the sake of your glory, not our own. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, so... Uh, Catch you a little long. Just a quick reminder, if you want to go catch that moment for missions, go to the gym, and they will uh, be doing that there. If you're able, please stand. We'll dismiss. We've had a lot in our services these last couple of weeks, and so I apologize for taking you along the last several weeks. You are not orphans. You are children of God. You have been adopted. You have been brought into the family, and now you've been made ambassadors. So go walk in the authority you've been given and bring the message that has changed your life. And do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. See you guys next week.